Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on? Jermaine Johnson, tune in to Turn On The Jets podcast. Hey, this is Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals. Make sure you tune in to the Turn On The Jets podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPaul11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Joined by a special guest today, Thursday episode, Quincy Avery, quarterback, uh, coach, guru, QB takeover. Quincy, how are we doing today? Um, excellent. How you doing this morning? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm I'm over uh, over Sunday's loss. We've, we're on to Buffalo, and um, obviously, you know, we're on this episode is going to be very quarterback centric and. Zach Wilson right now is somebody that we like, it's just a lot going on right now. The Jets have been winning somewhat in spite of Zach. And obviously, you know, Sunday's game was a pretty big disaster. It started off and it was like, oh, wow, Zach's starting to kind of his eyes are in the right spot. He's making some of the right reads. You're seeing the flash throws. You're seeing some stuff in, in structure and then kind of all collapsed into some high school level throws that we, that no one would ever teach. So I guess generally speaking, from what you've seen from Zach, at least this year and, and some of last year, kind of where you at on him because he's a pretty polarizing quarterback prospect, I feel like, or not prospect, yeah. but. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I think that when you watch him, the talent is obvious, right? So you get to see flashes of really, really good things. He has the ability, like the arm strength to make throws that, you know, there's not a ton of quarterbacks in the NFL who can make. You see him throwing like some deep sevens, like getting to stuff like that and being able to throw the ball with energy and trajectory. Like, and you're like, wow, the, that's something he can do that's unique. And he also has the ability to create a little bit in the pocket. But I think sometimes that ability to create in the pocket, that ability to extend plays, that gets him into a lot of trouble. Um, and it's because he does that always with the thought of passing. You don't see Zach Wilson like extend plays and then just run and get six, seven yards, right? Um, and I think that's what is going to help him out in terms of his game, just being more consistent because then he won't feel like, oh, I created two extra seconds in the pocket. Let me go ahead and push this ball down the field. And he gets into like hero ball situations where he's always trying to make the play that is the great play, right? He wants to have the highlight play, the play that's going to get him on ESPN. And I'm not saying he's thinking this, but this is like what we called in the coaching world. He's just trying to do too much. And if Zach Wilson like discovers the ability to play within structure, like, let me just get my eyes one, two to three. And then if it's not there, just throw the ball away. And I got a guy who I work with 
Justin Fields, who sometimes has the same problem, but Justin has like a little bit more athleticism and he's using that. And he's like, let me try and make a play. And he creates yards within the run game. And that is what I think is helping Justin out so much because now defense, when he escapes the pocket, it's not, Hey, let me go match up and get sticky to a guy on defense. It's we got to go get him. And that has allowed him to make some explosive plays. Yeah. There was a play on Sunday. Um, I talked about it a little bit. Uh, earlier in the week. It was fourth and five. They're down. It's 19 to 10, 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. It's a big drive. Like it felt like the game was out of hand, but it really wasn't. It was literally it's a two possession game. You're driving. It's a nice drive to put together. It's fourth and five. The pocket kind of literally parts like the Red Sea. And Zach, instead of running, which Zach, Zach can run. That's what's frustrating is like, as you mentioned, I don't know if it's, hey, I hurt my knee earlier in the year. I'm, I'm hesitant to run. You know, I'm not as big of a guy, whatever it is. But instead of running it, throws it a triple coverage and, you know, it's an incomplete and, and whatever. But, they, you know, they score there. It's 19-17, the way the defense is playing. You give your team a chance. I feel like, as you mentioned with Justin, like, I feel like it's clicked a little bit of both these guys. They're the two highest time to throw in the NFL because they create – they avoid so many sacks, their first free rusher, whatever it may be. But sometimes it feels like Zach's creating pressure for himself and it's like either not stepping up in the pocket or he does this, like, backpedaling – running sideways thing and he always keeps floor he always rolls out to the right and it feels like he gets so close yeah he even drops to the right like he puts his right tackle in a ton of stress on a regular basis and i'm and and i think this is something that like a lot of general fans don't know like in the season that's not necessarily the coach's job like they may say something but it's really hard to do drill work for those sorts of fundamentals their job like as a coaching staff, their job is to make sure like he knows where his eyes are, should be going. Um, like he's able to understand what he should be doing in the offense. Those little technique fundamental things. It's very hard for NFL coaching staff to find time um, to work on, on those things. So that's something I kind of put on Zach, like Zach, you, you got to say, look, this is what I'm doing. I got to drill down and get on this. And I know that he worked with some guys in his offseason who are really good at the quarterback developmental process. So maybe he didn't need to spend some time with those guys in the offseason to get some of those little things worked out. But he's got to do better at the small details of the quarterback position because that's what's going to allow him to be successful. Like, just get your feet in the right space. <laughs> no, I know. It's like, it's funny. Everyone I talked to all offseason, I wrote an article about it, just talking to people. It was like, if Zach's footwork and base is good, he's going to be really successful. The problem is, is all the bad habits are not are all coming back where I felt like last year, and I'm hoping this is going to happen this year, post-bye week, he went home, he worked with, kind of as you mentioned, he went worked with John Beck and whatever, and he came back and it felt like it started to click a little bit more for him. He saw us see him turn the ball over less and, and things like that. It's feeling like he needs to buy a week more than anybody because it's just so, there's so many bad habits that have been coming back. One thing I noticed, and I'm curious, if it's something that's coachable or if it's confidence, whatever it may be, I feel like his eyes are right pretty much all the time. And then it's like, he doesn't pull the trigger. He's staring at the guy, he sees it and he's like either late or he doesn't pull the trigger. And then he starts to create that pressure for himself and he wants to make a play. I don't know if it's like, there's a bunch of spot routes on Sunday or man beaters where like, he's looking at it. He sees it. He is, you know, he goes safety. Like he knows the coverage, everything's right. And then it's like, he doesn't pull the trigger 
and then he creates a problem for himself. And that's where you see some of these bad interceptions. It's, it's very odd to watch, to be honest. Yeah, there's a level of confidence that is required to pull the trigger early on some of those throws that you're talking about and not throwing it when, because I think if you wait till they get open, then oftentimes you're just too late. And I think like, like batter dog syndrome, like he's like just scared to let it go and like be aggressive and be the guy that they drafted. And, and that's hard. And he's, what I think the Jets are going to have to do is put him in situations where he can get early completions, develop a level of confidence in the game, and then move forward from there. But if you don't, if you don't like have that confidence that I know that I can do this because I've seen myself be successful in this, those throws that we're talking about that we know are open, right? We see it. Uh, he's open in our face from clicking on TV. He's not throwing it because he didn't have the confidence to throw it early. And then you throw it late and then it's an interception. So, it's just like a cycle. And until he can break that cycle with being aggressive and throwing some things early, then he's going to be in trouble. Lastly, before we can move on to a couple other guys, something that I noticed, and it's, I know it's a, a trend with young quarterbacks, and I'm sure you have to deal with this a lot of like, it's another kind of breaking a habit where you get really good chemistry with one guy and you trust them and you throw the, and it's like when Zach throws deep 20 yard outs to Corey Davis they're the best throws he's made in the NFL they're fantastic very few guys can make that throw it's one of the harder throws I think you can attest to like far hash deep out on the other side like that's a that's a big boy throw when you throw in this Corey Davis it's like he lets it rip over and over again and it's and it's, he looks like the guy the Jets you know drafted then it's throwing to Elijah Denzel Mims or Garrett Wilson it's like it's late and I don't know if it's is that like a trust thing for a young quarterback or is it just I know where Corey's going to be and I have enough chemistry and reps with him where I'm at that point. I think it's a little bit of both, but you see a lot of those really good, like on time throws being outside away. And that's what you're talking about. Like those high sevens, like things like that, those blaze outs, things where he gets to throw outside, uses arm strength. I think that he's good because he can trust that. Right. He doesn't have to see a ton of things. He's not worried about like a safety making a play or catching him off guard or linebacker dropping into coverage. So if I was a jets, it would be easy completions and things outside right now. Like, we got to get him in the because all the things that Elijah Elijah Moore is doing is like crossers, deep like things that are in breaking, and those take a lot more confidence in knowing that you know what the defense is doing and knowing that you have the coverage right. Um, so right now, like let's get some deep stoppers, let's get some things that allow him, and those are confidence throws. Like you hit a couple of those, then you rip a couple of seams, and now you're like, all right, cool. But the Jets also have have to have enough confidence in him to say, all right, we'll call these big boy shots, right? We'll call these things down the field. And we know that if it's not there, you'll go down to the check down. You'll take the back for four yards and let him do his thing. Yeah, that's the that's the thing right now is it's a trust factor of like get Zach in the right spot. But you're trying to develop a quarterback when you have a team that hasn't made the playoffs in a decade and has the best roster you've had in a decade. So it's like I know a lot of teams go through this where it's a balance of we need to develop the quarterback. It's the most important. It's the keys to the franchise. That's all great. But we have a locker room full of guys that think they can beat anybody and they don't, they don't want to wait for the quarterback. They just want somebody to not lose them a football game. So that's that, that tough balance. I want to kind of talk a little bit about the rest of the class in general. I think coming out, everyone's like, this is a generational class, five first rounders, X, Y, and Z. We'll leave Trey out of it because he just barely has been able to play, whether it's injury, all that stuff. It's not really worth too much like discussing too much because there's four games worth of tape versus the rest of the guys have you been surprised at all of either the regression it seems like this year or just generally speaking 
it's been tough sledding in general for whether it's Trevor or Mac or Justin or Zach of just like it's been a lot of bumps in the road it feels like early on even though is it just the expectation of like everyone has to be good right away now or is it maybe this class isn't quite as good as we thought I think it's a combination of two things I think that expectation that people are good the moment they step on the field like that's very very difficult because we were talking about confidence. Confidence is your biggest muscle. And it's tough to have confidence if you've never done something before. And none of those guys have played the NFL level before. I think that we we have to have enough patience. Like, give guys three years. Like, just give them three years, and then you can start to make a decision. Is this guy good enough or is he not, right? Because we see flashes from all the guys. Saw flashes from Trevor. Saw flashes from Zach. And now we're starting to see Justin Fields. Like, okay, we're starting to understand that he can play at the NFL level. but they also have to understand taking care of the football because like you said, you got a bunch of teams that are actually pretty decent right now. And, and those guys, and, and if their quarterbacks like are up to snuff, then they may make the playoffs. So then the guys start getting impatient. Then the pressure starts getting too much for them. And then they start to hear all the negative things and like it or not fans have a way bigger impact. I think on a lot of these guys career than they think they do because they start to hear these things. You could be, the strongest guy in the world but if you hear you suck non-stop all day every time you look at your phone shit gets really really difficult yeah it's it's funny how you look at robert i was talking about yesterday oh these guys grew up with social media they know how to handle it i'm like i don't know i, I agree to an extent but you know i don't have that many followers on twitter and sometimes i'm like damn i'm really that stupid like everybody and it's like if i have 100 times the amount of followers as the quarterback of one of these franchises like it's really hard not to once in a while scroll through your mentions, whether you're going to have social media or not. Even if you don't have social media, someone gets your number, someone can, you'll go on a website and you open the New York Post on Sunday and everyone's telling you how much you suck. Um, the Trevor situation to me is is interesting from last year. I feel like everyone gave him a pass and I don't know if it's necessarily fair to give guys just a pass because of their head coach because there was a lot of throws that does coaching or not, he was still making that didn't really make a lot of sense. You saw some of the flashes though towards the end of the year, the Colts game. I know everyone had one or two games last year. We're like, oh, there it is. Doug Peterson's a pretty damn good football coach, and they do have some talent there. And I still feel like we're seeing some of the throws that just I don't know. Trevor was never really put in a lot of adverse situations in college. And it's that's I think one of the concerns I had coming out is like the arm strength isn't great and he's never really had like they're winning by 40 points every week. It's hard to with the best talent. Um, do we need to see a bigger jump from him this year to be like, wow, this is the generational, like I have more expectations for him, frankly. I just do. I, he was, you know, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, et cetera. It's hard for me to not be like, man, this isn't great yet. And the Broncos game, I know they were great defense, but like still making throws that just don't, I don't know. That's, it frustrates me. It's like, why are you still making these decisions? Um, he played all in college too. You know what I mean? It's not like Zach where he's kind of like a one-year guy, for example, uh, where you where at with Trevor, I guess, uh, in terms of just how much has gone. It's, uh, I'm, I'm with you on a lot of the things that you just said. Um, Trevor is somebody who I think that we put on a pedestal for so long that it was easy for teams to be like, all right, for sure. Like, we don't even really need to cut on the tape. We know he's going to be our first draft pick. And I think that that's difficult because he hasn't gone through any adversity. And now that he's starting to, it's like, how are you going to respond to getting hit in the freaking mouth, right? Because he's been getting hit in the mouth of that team. Yeah, he had a bad coaching first year, but like you were saying, there's either throws that we really need to make or we could be throwing the ball away because 
we're to have a, we have way too many interceptions and and actually as a rookie I'm not that mad at aggressive mistakes right he makes some aggressive mistakes but now he played dang near every snap uh his rookie season now it's start time to start maturing and we've asked guy other guys in this quarterback class like they need to mature, they need to step up we gotta ask Trevor to do the same thing so I want to see more I didn't necessarily see him as the Andrew Luck Luck surefire can't miss quarterback prospect i didn't see zach wilson that way and i and the, i didn't think that this that class was like okay we got a bunch of surefire we had some really talented guys uh and if trevor doesn't make a turn then they're gonna start looking at him like hey bub we know that we thought so highly of you but it's weird to see the critique that we're giving him right now is much strong and this is like really light like we're not giving a lot yeah it's no, much I'm not, I'm not yeah it, but. it's much stronger than the the people we see talk about quarterbacks on tv every day say about trevor and i think that if we hold zach wilson accountable in this way we should also hold trevor uh and all these guys so i think that jets fans don't get so disappointed in in the things that zach wilson's doing because he's doing the same thing that trevor is yeah it's interesting i hate sometimes doing the oh well Trevor's playing like shit so Zach isn't like you can't be as angry about what Zach's doing but at the same time I think Zach and Justin Fields have been kind of dragged through the coals a lot um through their first two years every time they make a mistake it feels like it's Twitter people that didn't like Justin coming out cannot wait to dunk on him for a bad decision to throw against the commanders like oh he misses a guy in the red zone now just see this is why Justin stinks or Zach Wilson on Sunday like I saw it it literally the second I'm in the stadium. I checked my phone right after the second interception, which was obviously egregious. And every single person that I know did not like Zach coming out. Could not wait to be like, see, he's terrible. Like, With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Maybe. They might not be the guy that you thought they were going to be, but Trevor gets taught. Yeah, there's some kid gloves that gets that happens with Trevor. And, and, it's, and Mac, to an extent, Mac's been objectively awful this year. And I, I think you talk to anybody from the Patriots turns the ball over all the time. He's got seven interceptions already in four games. It's not good. <laughs> he had a pick six last week that should cost him the game. Yeah. I think it was going to go to swing the game. It'd been like 14 yeah, it'd been 17, three and a half. Like what, what are we doing? Yeah. And, and that would have swung the game. And he gets like a BS personal foul on a QB. Like those things happen. And that's why I, I don't understand the way quarterbacks are critiqued by a lot of other people, but we should criticize them all the same. And, a lot of these guys in the quarterback class are, are doing some silly stuff right now. Are you the last kind of, um, I guess we'll kind of just pivot to, we kind of talked about, you know, you mentioned giving guys year three and it feels like this class in 2020, which at the time felt like for much of last year, if you just covered it from a national perspective, it was a two man class. It's, it's Joe and, and Justin and, and that's it. Two is no good. Jalen's maybe he'll be here. Maybe he won't. I don't know. You look at that class now, like you can make a case all four top 10 guys this year in the NFL. And like, I'm, I'm the biggest two. Like I really didn't like two coming out. I thought you don't, you don't get healthier as you get older. 
and he continues his durability is a huge issue and as a quarterback i think it's a concern with sack as well if you can't be on the field for 17 games it's really hard to play in this league for a long time um all four of those guys look pretty damn good right now and, and they're all playing i think every everyone's except for well i'm not going to deal with herbert's injuries but like everyone's surrounded by a lot of talent these franchises seem to be all in on them have you been impressed with kind of this class in general taking that they've taken a big leap in year three it feels like yeah it's funny because i did a lot of consultant work for a bunch of nfl teams in that draft class and it was like oh i think the draft class is okay i didn't think two had a strong arm i didn't think his arm was strong enough to be successful in the nfl he's got with the coaching staff it was like hey we're gonna build an offense around you're not strong arm. you're accurate we'll get the ball to your hands joe burrow same way not super strong arm but he's super accurate it's i love to see how successful that quarterback class is but i will say this I think Justin Herbert is Justin Herbert is looked at in a way like his stats are not necessarily very, like he's super talented, but he's making some of the same mistakes that we've talked about other guys making. And I, I want him to improve on that, but that class has, has been really cool to watch, watch him improve and, you know, end up being like some of the top quarterbacks in the league. I, I think Tua may be a little bit of a product of his environment. I was the same way with you, like wasn't in love with it. But I, I love the way he's playing right now. He he has earned every bit of praise that he's getting. Yeah, it's it's interesting. The Herbert Tua thing is is getting nauseating, and um, there's a specific person on Fox Sports who makes a living off of speaking to people like they're stupid, and and I and I understand that, so I'm not going to fall into like Emmanuel Acho stuff. Um, but at the same time, it, it is. Objectively, if you were choosing the two quarterbacks in a vacuum, you're choosing Justin Herbert. I'm choosing Justin Herbert. I'm not using QB wins and losses as a reason to. Yes, QB wins, QB record is important because obviously you want your quarterback to be a product of a winning environment. That's something that like I get, and I'm not trashing it. If you want to make a reason why Zach Wilson should be back in year three, it's other oh, four and one with Zach. Um, I get that. Using Tua being five and zero when he's starting finished games, when the Bengals game he was objectively terrible in the beginning before he got concussed and was part of the reason they lost. Like I'm not giving him no blame for that game. Um, do you feel like sometimes with some of these guys though, it's if you're good early on, like Joe Burrow was good early on, and last year because of last year he's going to get a pass for some of the stuff with the sacks. Like was that a little weird to you? Like that set the sacks comment did that make it like? At the time, it felt like it made sense. And now looking at it, it's like a lot of these sacks are actually really unproductive and they're not helpful to hold on the ball for an hour. Like, is that something you, you teach with some of these guys of, oh, it's third down, like who cares about a sack if you're on your own 40? Because I guess I get it, but at the same time, you can't be taking nine, 10 shots a game like that. Eventually, it's going to wear down your body and, and the team. Yeah. Me personally, I would rather than take a shot downfield than take a sack. Like there's yeah. a lot of good things can happen. You take a shot downfield, you can get a pass interference, uh, you can get a catch, incompletion, who cares? Yeah, legal contact, five yeah. yards, all sudden first down. Interception down there, get him at the 10, as good as a punt, right? So those are things that I'd rather do. I'm not gonna take a bunch of sacks in the same way Burroughs do it, just because you're not gonna stay healthy, right? It's not good for the longevity of your career and it's not good for our team. Um, because with our backup quarterback, we don't have a, a chance of uh success. So I don't know. I don't know how these guys are coaching it. Right. Because I, I don't get to to talk to guys as much about those little things, but, but that's what I'd be preaching to my guys. Hey, if nothing's there, we probably got to clear out, go ahead and take a shot. Let's figure it out catch it. Does it intercept? Whatever. I, I'm not that big, but it's also really hard when teams care a ton about sacks. I mean, interceptions, like 
fans look at stats, they don't watch the game. So guys at the end of the game, they're always thinking about little stuff like that. Like, man, I don't want two interceptions on my tab. Um, so uh guys, guys are dealing with that part. They everybody cares so much about what other people think. And if people knew all the things that go on in a quarterback room, the things that are saying, all the missed assignments, all the times a guy runs the wrong route, drops the ball, ends up as interception. I think that we would look at the game a lot differently. Yeah, it's it's something that you start you've seen in the NBA the last couple of years, and I'm not going down a whole NBA rabbit hole because I'm not happy right now with what's going on. But I feel like you see guys at the end of quarters, two seconds left, three seconds left, they're not going to shoot a ball from you know 35 feet out because I don't want an extra point off my field goal percentage because I know in the offseason when I go to try to get paid, they're going to say, "Well, you have 12 picks, you have this." You see guys doing baseball all the time, like. Eh, it's 3-0. Like I might try to take this walk here because even though mm-hmm. it's be more beneficial to do something else. Um we kind of I want to just touch on Jalen real quick because what the Eagles have done, I feel like is he's taken a huge step, in my opinion, at least as a passer. When the within the NFL, I think it's like you're starting to see Jalen not just make throws and use his legs and make throws and structure. Like he's making big, big time throws on top of doing all the other things that made him such a such a good player, honestly, in college and in the NFL so far. Have you been like, is it more of they've surrounded him with talent or he's taken just that next leap of more and more and more reps in the NFL and just getting better and better along with getting an AJ Brown or someone like that? Yeah, I mean, AJ Brown makes things a lot different. His ability to make contestant catches, like all those things are great. I'm going to go back to a conversation that I had with Jalen when the Cleveland Browns and the Philadelphia Eagles were having a joint practice because I was there all those days. And this is something I'm like, okay, he's, he has a lot of confidence in himself, like who he can be. He said, man, years before, you know what I'm saying, there'd be a time where somebody could call a defense and I'd feel like they had us, let me throw the ball away. There's nothing I can do. He said, now, like I always know that there's a spot that I could put the ball and I know that I can let it rip and put it in that spot. So there's no defense that can beat me anymore with the way that I play quarterback. And just that level of confidence, that level of thinking, that lets me know, like, all right, he's ready to throw with anticipation. He feels like he can be accurate, and he knows he can put the ball wherever he wants to put the ball. That right there opens up so much for an offense, so much for a coaching staff. Yeah, it's interesting um, with, like, some of these guys. Again, it's just the development. And sometimes it's okay to give these guys time to to develop. I know it's difficult because you don't ever, like, it's hard. Like I mentioned before, it's hard developing a quarterback, especially when – you know, you're in a situation where Miami or Philly or even with the Jets now or look at the Giants too. I know the Giants are a little bit, um, you know, kind of ahead of schedule with the way they've played, but you start to see Daniel Jones at least do some things, um, you know, or Jalen do some things or two, or, or, you know, you hope to see Zach do it where it's like, all right, we're one piece away. And it felt like the Eagles were like, all right, we're AJ Brown away from getting the best out of Jalen or we're Tyreek Hill away from getting the best out of Tua, which again, I still think is a product of the environment and, and, it's going to, we still turn to the ball over or throws a lot of balls in harm's way. Pittsburgh, I'm not sure if they don't know how to catch, but um, <laughs> I wanted to kind of hit on Gino because obviously most of the Jets fans that listen to this show and Gino had some nice moments with the Jets. There were some moments that obviously I think everyone would like back, whether it was on or off the field and on or in the locker room, whatever, however you want to phrase it. And um, Gino graciously gave us the Ryan Fitzpatrick whatever i'm not going to go down the fits route of by the way just a, t- a tangent this has nothing to do with quincy 
I don't want to hear Ryan Fitzpatrick criticize the Jets for bringing in John Beck last year. The Jets quarterback coach died three days before the season. So I'm not sure why that comment was made. Maybe do your research next time, Ryan. Uh, what did he say? Sorry. I got to know what he no, said. No, he said the Jets coddled Zach too much and babied him by bringing John Beck in that they didn't have the quarterback coach, but their quarterback coach literally, literally died. Literally passed away. Yeah, literally yeah, passed, passed away. Not to sound more morbid about it, but he, he he passed away three days before camp started. Ryan's but, a really smart guy, but he said some really stuff, stupid things um, throughout his time on Thursday Night Football. So yeah, he, I don't he know has, exactly what he's trying to get at, but yeah, he said some really dumb stuff about Justin. Too. Like, I don't know. He pisses yeah. me off with the things he says, but I understand you're on TV now. You got to make a splash. You got to say cool things that get everybody's attention. There was nothing. The Jets were in such a difficult position. What had Zach had... If he has no quarterback coach at the time, what are they going to do? How about we find somebody who he spent some time with this offseason, has a ton of familiarity with this offense, ran this offense in his NFL career, knows exactly what we're trying to do, and can actually help us out. And and his fundamentals actually got really good last year because he had a coach there who cared about it. So it might be a better idea for teams to do what the Jets did in terms of having somebody on staff who actually cares about fundamentals and is not just there for the X's and O's. So I, I would take a like a 180 on the things that Ryan Fitzpatrick said. I wish I would have heard him say it because I could have called him stupid on Twitter. Yeah, I always it was one of those situations where I was just like, Zach's everything that we wanted to see from Zach last year started to get better when John Beck came in. And it also, to no surprise, Michael Floor, who was a first-time offensive coordinator in his mid-30s, trying to like figure out how to call plays on the fly. And as a rookie quarterback, when all his talent went down last year, once Mike started to just focus on being an offensive coordinator and not having to coach Zach and be an offensive coordinator, oh, weird, the Jets' offense got better too. Um, but, but Gino, I wanted to kind of how, – like, how is it – How is it surprised you at all? Has it been – because I think from the outside looking, Gino's always had a ton of talent. I think everyone's – like, last year it felt like he was almost – I don't want to say overly conservative, but I feel like he was trying so hard not to turn the football over. He didn't get to really like use a lot of like, there's this balance now. It feels like he's protecting the football and all that arm strength and talent and his accuracy is all coming out at the same time. And it's, it's really fun to see, honestly, I think Jets fans love it. Everyone, everyone, most Jets fans love Gino still and everything at that. And um, he's, we'll get to see him later in the year, but it's been really, I mean, he's just one player of the month, I believe for the NFC, Quinn Williams one for the AFC. So um, how's that kind of been watching Gino just, kind of finally like he had his you know he started to peak at age whatever 32 32 it's so cool to see somebody get the benefits of all the work that they put in and, and now people get to acknowledge like okay yeah he can play this game and he does so many things really well he's one of the best I've seen everybody in the NFL throw except Justin Herbert but everybody else I've seen them throw up close and in person like almost in a workout setting Geno Smith, Dwayne Haskins are still the two best throwers of the football I've ever seen. Um, so seeing Geno like be this successful and this year he's playing so well above the net. Like last year he used to be able to bring some pressure and it would throw him off. He had a very low rate. Of, now he's like thrown into the pressure. He has a plan every single time he comes to the line of scrimmage. And that's just reps, like reps and maturity. It's a big difference between being a starter the whole entire season and not right. And he's never truly had that opportunity when he was with the jets. It was Mark Sanchez first, and then Gino comes in and then the second, and then he gets his job. Like those things doesn't get a, a full season to really be the starter and be the guy. Um, and the giants, Eli Manning's there. He actually comes in one week, plays really well. 
Then he had the San Diego, like all those other stops. He was never the guy. And this is the first time he's had the opportunity to go in, work, be the guy that the coach is focusing on making better. And I don't think enough people understand when you're in an NFL quarterback room, the coach is coaching one person. And that's the starting quarterback. Everybody else can get information through osmosis and all those things, but he's talking to the starting quarterback, trying to make him better so that they can win football games. It's the first time he's got that level of attention. uh, And we are seeing him go out there. People care about like his learning style, how to make him better. And he is ripping it up. It's, it's, it's cool to see. And I, uh, you mentioned something that, you know, people, a lot of people will ask me like, Oh, I wonder what's going on in the quarterback room. You know, just obviously with the jets of like, what's going on in there. If Zach's something's happening, I'm like, you know, part of the reason you bring in veterans like a Joe Flacco or, you know, there's a million guys you could, or people were bringing in Gino or other players, guys that have experienced, like they don't need to be, to be able to come in for a week or two. They don't need the the reps necessarily because they've done it so many other times, but when you're the starter and every week you're preparing the team's expected to win with you because you're the starter, it's a, it's a very different situation. I want to ask you quickly about sauce. I know we kind of talked a little bit about it on Sunday and, and Quentin Williams has been fantastic, but for Sauce Gardner to come in, I know it's not a quarterback question, but I think other than quarterback, corner probably as a young player is probably the hardest position to play in football. I think like <laughs> there's a no-win situation. If you, especially, you know, coming in for a guy like Sauce, he's a, it's a top pick. The Jets historically have, I think, the best corner that's ever played football in, in Darrell Revis, and they've had some really, you know, a lot of success with corners in the past. Sauce has all this expectation. He's coming from not that Cincinnati is a small school because I don't think that's necessarily fair. There's a lot of talent on that roster, but it's still, you know, everyone. It ain't just, the SEC. Yeah, it's not the SEC. And he played one game against, you know, Bama and looked really good. So it obviously helped him. He's come in and he's been, I actually don't know how much better he possibly could be at this point. Like it's, I mean, now he can obviously get better as a player, but as a <laughs> three eight games, he's matched up against a lot of these guys and Jamar Chase's worst games against him and et cetera. How, are you been impressed that like Sauce has been this good and the confidence he plays with at 21 is it's pretty outrageous. He's playing like a top five cornerback in the league. And I might be like cutting him short right there, but he is playing at an elite level. It's so weird to see somebody that big, that long move the way that he does come in and out. Of, and he's like teach tape every time he goes out on the field. So I don't, I don't think anybody, the Jets c- could not have expected him to play this well when they drafted him. Because he's doing things that are that amazing each and every week. And I think that he had that confidence in college and he quickly learned like, oh, I can do the same thing to the best of the best out here on Sundays. And yeah, in college, I'm sure he was guarding the other team's best player everywhere he went. And they played in some really big games and he wasn't giving up any touchdowns in. And he's not out here in the NFL giving up any touchdowns now. Like he's out here strapping stuff. So I, I, I love watching him play. I think that you guys have two cornerstone pieces on your defense, right? You got Quinnen and you got Sauce, and Quinnen wreaks havoc, havoc from inside, like getting real pressures. Like those things are are tough to come by. You guys get like an edge rusher, and I think that's going to be really problematic for a lot of teams Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. for a long time. So uh, the defense, it's so interesting how defenses kind of evolve and Obviously, it was the cover three and, and cover four stuff in Seattle, which obviously the Jets and San Fran, all these places have run, but kind of morph, like morphed in a little cover two now with some of these offenses. But we're still seeing if you can get pressure with four guys, it makes quarterbacks life so much more difficult. Um, I kind of want to just 
ask you on one, um, I don't know where I was going with that. I had one other question I was going to ask you. Um, can't think what I was going to ask you now. This is, this is brutal. I was going to ask you something about, um, oh, with Sertan and, and all these young corners and stuff like that and what we're seeing, all these, this offensive explosion. Are you sick yet of all these different things going on? Every young quarterback, oh, Josh Allen did this. Is that the new Peyton Manning? Like Peyton threw 28 interceptions his you know, rookie year. So every quarterback that struggles can be Peyton because I, I love that Josh – like Zach, and I'm just using Zach as the example because he's the guy right now that everyone's kind of saying, oh, you know, Josh, like, oh, my fourth, my second year, fourth game, I shit my pants all over the game against the Patriots, and then it all clicked. But, like, Josh Allen's built like a unicorn, and, like, I don't know that it's fair to these guys, whether it's Justin, who's built more like Josh and Zach is, or Zach, or any of these guys that, oh, they're just going to turn the MVP candidates next year because they have one bad game and throw a bunch of picks. Yeah, I don't yeah, I don't see Josh Allen is an anomaly. Like it's not gonna happen a lot. Yeah, you can improve on your accuracy, but really it's that he improved on his decision making more so than his accuracy. And there's something that has to click mentally. It's not necessarily about the physical stuff. And the other part is Josh Allen could always run through a dude's face, no matter what was going on. If you want to put his you shoulder still down, see it. You still yeah. see it. He gets to run when he wants and he gets to he gets to make defensive guys feel it when he when he runs to run. And when you can do things like that, it limits the coverages that you get to see on defense. So you look like a more accurate passer. And Jalen Hurts benefits from that. Justin Fields is going to benefit from that. I hope that when Trey Lance gets back on the field, he's going to benefit from that as well. Like when you can do really great things with your legs throwing becomes a lot easier and that's just the way of the world and josh allen's maximized on that yeah it's that and between that and the anyone that's a mobile but not running quarterback being uh aaron Rodgers. like i think one of them i don't know who i don't remember who said it i want to say it was collinsworth but it, it might have been somebody else it was like watch what aaron Rodgers, the decisions he makes not don't watch his like fundamentals and footwork and the way he throws the football because <laughs> no one throws the football like that so just maybe don't maybe don't do that <laughs> like watch like watch the way he makes manipulates defenses with his eyes and the scramble rules and all that stuff but the the, the toe tap he does when he like when his feet aren't set and all that stuff like maybe just maybe let's have zach not watch aaron Rodgers so many more um for a little bit until he gets good enough but obviously unpacked a lot appreciate you appreciate you hopping on um figured you know, we'll leave it till when Deshaun starts playing again before we get into, get into his stuff because I'm sure I'll get my mentions flooded for it. But, um, no, I appreciate you hopping on. And hopefully, fingers crossed, the next time you're on the show, we'll, Zach and Justin, all these guys will be playing at a high enough level where we're talking, oh, are they top five yet? Are they top ten yet? Not um, do we give them a third year? <laughs> because I'd rather not have to restart with another rookie quarterback. Well, that'll be after week 13, so we'll see. I uh, know. That'll be that'll be good. It's Revis retirement day, so hopefully uh, Sauce doesn't get Justin one or two times. But, um, no, I appreciate you hopping on. And everyone, make sure you're following, you know, Quincy on, on socials and then obviously check out some of the stuff at QB Takeover. Um, yeah, and well, uh, I'll be back on Saturday. Steve Gelbs will be on. We'll talk uh, a little bit of Jets Bills preview.